Welcome back to the Chin Up Podcast. This week, we're joined by Congresswoman Judy Chu. She's the first Chinese-American woman elected to Congress, as well as the first recipient of the Asian Hall of Fame's Lifetime Achievement Award. Our host this week is Asian Hall of Fame CEO, Mackie Shea. Hi, good afternoon. This is Maki. Hello, Maki. If you wouldn't mind starting with um, your family and, and growing up and some of the things that you heard that that led you to really be that leader for, for the Asian community and the turning points, that, that would be a great place to start. Well, when I was younger, I never imagined that I would run for office. That's because I never saw anybody who looked like me. My mother was an immigrant. My father was born here, but also Chinese-American and were not involved in politics due to the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. And in fact, this whole attitude that I had changed in college after somebody handed me a flyer for what was then an experimental class in Asian American studies. What I learned made a light go off in my head. I learned about discriminatory actions taken by our federal federal government, like the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 and the imprisonment of innocent Japanese Americans during World War II. And I learned how these actions could affect whole generations of people psychologically, causing post-traumatic stress, feelings of marginalization, and low self-esteem. And I came to understand why my parents were so silent about the past, even though it affected them so deeply. So I took many more classes like this and got involved with civil rights issues on campus, but I didn't stop then because years later, An ugly anti-immigrant English-only movement occurred in the town I was living in, Monterey Park. A vocal group of longtime residents resented the new immigrants moving in and wanted English-only signs in the city and only books written in English in the library. The last straw was when they got a resolution before the city council saying that only English should be spoken in the city. Well, when that English-only resolution passed, people said enough is enough. I joined a multi-ethnic coalition to fight this resolution and helped lead an effort to get thousands of signatures on petitions to overturn it. And finally, we succeeded. But it became so apparent that the city council didn't represent the city that I ran for city council and I won. And that was the start of my time in elected office. And elected office, it's it's what an amazing story. And you served as mayor, I think, for three terms, right, in Monterey Park. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Just amazing. And what what and most people would just stop there. They would say, okay, well, I served as mayor of, of my of my the city and this is great and we'll just move on. But then you went even one step further and you decided to run for California State Assembly. So I worked very hard to bring people together uh, in the city of Monterey Park. I worked on the quality of life issues that affected them, but also worked on building about an appreciation of diversity. So I felt like I had so much to contribute to the state of California. And when a seat for the state assembly opened up, I decided to run for it, but I was quickly blocked by Mm -hmm. what I call the old boys network. The people who all knew each other and helped promote each other at the expense of new faces like me. Because of the influence of the old boys network, the speaker of the assembly, didn't support me either. So things were bleak. But then something amazing happened. And that was when then Congresswoman Hilda Solis decided to support me. She had gone up against the old boys network herself and knew how important it was to help each other. So by finding my own network of support, I was able to 
overcome the old boys network and win my election. I'd been told like many other women have that it was not my turn, that I needed to wait. And my experience is a reflection of the fact that many times women are not taking seriously uh, and especially women of color. And that's why it is so important for us to encourage one another, to encourage women of color to vote, to run for office, and to take leadership roles on committees and other positions of power. I truly believe that the more representative our government becomes, the more girls that will be inspired to run and lead as well. Uh, the more America is governed by those who look like America, the better decisions we will make. Well, you know, I'm such a fan, and you know, I have to ask this. I mean, I, you're just so intelligent, so strategic, brilliant, beautiful, mathematics major from from UCLA, and then a PhD in psychology. I mean, it's just brilliant. I have to ask this. I'm very sorry if I'm speaking out of turn, but if somebody said, Congress member Judy Chu, would you consider wanting for the future vice president role of the United States. Would you consider that offer? I mean, I really think that you should. What, what, what do you think about that? I just, we have so many fans. Well, thank you for that vote of confidence. I really <laughs> appreciate it. But um, right now I am on a very powerful committee in Congress called Ways and Means. And it took me eight years to get on there. I fought actually to get on there. Uh, there were no Asian Americans at the time. And finally, I did get on there, and uh, it's given me a lot of opportunities. I look forward to climbing my way up there and having even greater influence on policy decisions that will affect Americans of all different backgrounds. So that is my goal at the moment. Uh, but also, I'm working very hard on the, the Biden campaign uh, because um, I feel that our future President Biden is very open to having greater diversity in his cabinet. And we already see his commitment to diversity with Kamala Harris. I'm so proud that we have our first Asian American ever to be a vice presidential candidate. And how amazing will it be when she does become vice president? This is a whole new chapter in American history that we have to continue to encourage. You are such a leader and a mentor for many and everyone looks up to you as a role model and you've paved the way and you continue to part the waters for all of us. And I know that uh, we're we all just looking at your tremendous work and your advocacy and all. Now the Committee on Ways and Means is a really powerful place to be. What have you seen there in terms of things that we need to put forth going forward into the new year. There's a lot of things going on with mm -hmm. taxes and and uh, Social Security and Medicare and health. There's a lot that's also affecting our district too. So I chose to be on the subcommittee in Ways and Means on health. And uh, yes, you can't imagine a more important subcommittee to be on at this particular point in time because we have 210,000 Americans that have died from COVID-19 and from what I believe is neglect with regard to their health. I think there's so much we need to do. In fact, in our 
most recent uh, HEROES Act, our updated HEROES Act, we provide $75 billion for testing and contact tracing. Our testing has to be increased substantially. It should have been increased actually way back when, but never was brought up to the degree it should have been by this president because there needed to be coordination on the national level. And as a result, there were people that were desperate to get tests, but there needs to be the greater availability of tests overall. But there also has to be universal treatment for COVID-19. And that's what our HEROES Act also provides. If you have COVID-19, it's obvious if we want, don't want this to spread, we need to make sure that everybody has access to healthcare here. And then if we want to open up our society, of course we, you know, we, we want to open up and have businesses reopen and things like that. But if we do, we have to have contact tracing. And that is yeah. if an outbreak occurs, we need to know how to isolate that outbreak, which means that you have to have people in the community who know the community, who speak that language, who know who to reach out to, to reach out to the folks in that community to try to isolate it. Now, these are the kind of things that are being done in countries that have successfully yep. dealt with COVID-19, but we in the United States have been a true failure. And that is something that I think we need to change uh, as we have a new administration. I wish we could do it right now because yeah. there are so many people suffering that are in the hospital that are being infected as we speak. Um, I wish that they could have all the things that I talked about. But one thing's for sure, this crisis is going to continue and we will be dealing with it up until next year, at which time we also have to talk about equitable distribution of a vaccine. That's not going to be an easy process. It's very difficult. My mother is 78 years old and she's an American citizen, but she was a professor at the University of Taiwan for almost 40 years. And she's in Taiwan right now because of COVID. She hasn't been able to fly back here to Pasadena. Oh my and, uh, she was saying in Taiwan, they have everything that you talked about. They have contact tracing, they have equitable distribution of right now it's health care and health access. And it's just mm. the basic 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 human rights to to health care. Uh, we don't even have that in, in the United States, and it's a real shame. And I'm really happy to hear that this is something that you're passionate about moving forward and advancing even into next year. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I, I know people who have traveled back to Taiwan because they feel it's safer there than here. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. It's crazy. We're it the is number crazy. one superpower of the world. Everyone is fleeing the country. Yeah. And they, you know, and and I say you're going back there, but don't you have to quarantine for 14 days? Yes, they yes. say, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's it's really crazy. Well, you have a lot of Asians in your district. Well, I have to say in our district because I live in your district and. We, I think it's a close to 70% uh, Asian Americans, and then we have a lot of Hispanic Americans, a lot of diversity as also. Well, what are the things that you would like to say to, to the folks out there? They're all going to be flooding the ballot boxes in a few weeks. Now, what would you like us to take away from your service and from what, what you would like to, to lead us into for the 
next four years? Well, first of all, let me say my district is actually quite diverse. It's 70% comprised of communities of color, uh, which includes uh, Hispanics, Asians, and, and African-Americans. And I am very proud of that diversity. I do have to say, though, that I have the district with uh, one of the highest numbers of Asian-Americans in the United States. So uh, it is, yeah, it is definitely a, a district with uh, strong Asian influences. So I uh, want to say to everybody, please vote. And please have a plan to vote. We already see that this president is trying to undermine the election by even attacking the venerable institution, the U.S. Post Office. He is kind of seeing the writing on the wall and creating all this chaos. That's why I urge everybody to make sure you are counted in this most important of elections. And so be sure you know when you're voting, how you're going to vote. That's what I mean by the plan to vote. And here in California, we are very lucky because we have so many alternatives. We have mail-in ballots, we have drop-off boxes, we have in-person voting that's early, and we have a very good system of tracking your ballot uh, for the first time. It's called, where is my ballot? And I signed up for it you can see where your ballot is going from post office box to to the county registrar. And I have good news to tell you that uh, I got notification today that my ballot has gone through the whole process and now has been counted. So I would urge everybody to sign on to see whether your ballot really has made it to the ultimate end, but also to vote early so that we don't have any situation where anybody would cast doubt on the ballot getting there in time. I love what you're saying, and you're encouraging people to to vote and vote early and have a plan and a strategy on how to get their their voices heard. I really appreciate that. You know, so grateful that you had an opportunity to talk to us and to let the community know about uh, your vision going forward, and, and congratulations again on the Lifetime Achievement Award for the Asian Hall of Fame. You joined ranks of Bruce Lee and <laughs> Connie Chung and real amazing people, and we're just so thrilled to and privileged to, to honor you. Thank you so much, Congressmember Judy Chu. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Maki. Thank you. Talk to you soon next time. Okay. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us in this episode of our Chin Up Podcast. Tune in next Tuesday morning for more inspiring stories, advice, and tips from our special guests. As always, keep your chin up.